listening to a Called Collective podcast, where we seek to equip the next generation of ministry leaders. The Called Collective produces multiple podcasts, which you can find in the description below. To learn more about The Called Collective, visit our website at thecalledcollective.org or check us out on Instagram at The Called Collective. Greetings and welcome to Fresh Text. Fresh Text is a weekly podcast where we study a scripture passage, often drawn from the Revised Common Lectionary, but always seasonally appropriate. We hope it'll be uh, equipping for pastors and teachers who are preparing sermons or lessons in the upcoming weeks, but hope it'll be enjoyable and edifying for all listeners uh, in all walks of life. I'm your host, John Drury. I'm professor of New Testament and spiritual formation at Indiana Wesleyan University. My guest this week is Daniel Reif. This is Daniel's first time to be on this show, although Daniel is an old friend and has been on some shows in our network at The Called Collective. So some of you may have, have gotten to hear him on some of our other shows. Uh, but it's the first time to be on Fresh Ticks. I'm so glad to have him on. He is a pastor at uh, College Wesleyan Church, my home church. And uh, so we get to interact a lot uh, in various ways. And uh, he's a very thoughtful guy about uh, scripture and worship, and so he's a delight to have on. Uh, so he has his uh, doctoral work in worship studies. Is that correct? Am I saying that right? Okay. Yeah, so he'll be drawing on a little bit of his expertise uh, as we just reflect a little bit on Ash Wednesday. So our, our text this week is Joel chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, and then 12 through 17. 1 to 2 and 12 through 17. Normally, this episode would be for Transfiguration Sunday, which is coming up this week. Um, but regular listeners to the show know that we've just had three straight weeks of Transfiguration Sundays. So you got enough Transfiguration content, and we thought it'd be good to actually do some reflection on Ash Wednesday, which we normally don't have a special episode just for that. And I immediately thought of Daniel to have on for that conversation today. So, yeah, if you're joining the show today, just make sure to pray that press the uh, uh, share button on your podcast player app to pass it along to others. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Enjoy this conversation with Daniel. All right, so our passage is Joel 2, 1 through 2, and then 12 through 7. Would you be willing to read in whatever version you have with you today? You know what version you brought today? It's the NLT. NLT. Okay, let's hear it. Sound the trumpet in Jerusalem. Raise the alarm on my holy mountain. Let everyone tremble in fear because the day of the Lord is upon us. It is a day of darkness and gloom, a day of thick clouds and deep blackness. Suddenly, like dawn spreading across the mountains, a great and mighty army appears. Nothing like it has been seen before or will ever be seen again. That is why the Lord says, turn to me now while there is still time. Give me your hearts. Come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Don't tear your clothing in your grief, but tear your hearts instead. Return to the Lord your God, for he is merciful and compassionate, 
slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent and not punish. Who knows, perhaps he will give you a reprieve, sending you a blessing instead of this curse. Perhaps you will be able to offer grain and wine to the Lord your God as before. Blow the ram's horn in Jerusalem. Announce a time of fasting. Call the people together for a solemn meeting. Gather all the people, the elders, the children, and even the babies. Call the bridegroom from his quarters and the bride from her private room. Let the priests who minister in the Lord's presence stand and weep between the entry room to the temple and the altar. Let them pray, Spare your people, Lord. Don't let your special possession become an object of mockery. Don't let them become a joke for unbelieving foreigners who say, Has the God of Israel left them? The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Father, we ask that as we prepare our hearts uh, for the season of Lent and as we are preparing for uh, some of the extra worship services that uh, often accompany that transition, uh, we just ask that we would not merely be instructed and able to instruct others in thoughts of repentance, but actually be uh, drawn into uh, life-giving repentance ourselves. So I pray that for Daniel, for I, and for myself, and for um, all those listening in, yeah, that we may be drawn in uh, to a a true spirit of repentance. Uh, we trust that you will do this, and we ask that uh, somehow through your spirit, uh, our conversation about this text and about Ash Wednesday worship uh, would uh, be one means among many by which you would work this grace in our hearts. We pray this all in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so what do you notice uh, just what jumps off the page at you? I see you smiling because you've made it quite explicit. You, Yeah, I think, I mean, right off the bat, I mean, sound the trumpet, raise the alarm, holy mountain, trembling in fear, darkness, gloom, thick cloud. Like, in my mind, I immediately go to Exodus 19 and 20, where God is mm. calling the people to gather, and he's saying, like, and they blow the horn, the people are trembling <laughs> and there's a thick cloud and it says that God is in that cloud. And so I feel like there's like a, there's this similar scene that's happening. And that's when God, when God says like, I want you to be my special treasure, my kingdom of priests, my holy nation, which in my mind, like that, that is a, cause Joel is part of like this, the book of the 12, like the minor prophets. And I feel like they're all like being written out of this, dilemma of who God called Israel to be and who they're not being. <laughs> and all the minor prophets say this, like, turn, return or turn back to me. Because in that, there's there's a sense when you were with him, you were his holy people, you were his special church. Like, you should want to come back. Like, <laughs> this is where you always meant to be. So that's kind of the context that I immediately, just from, like, the language itself, kind of takes me there. Exodus language. That's so mm -hmm. cool. Well, let me just play with that because I... Yeah. Um, well, first of all, just, I think that paradigm for the book of the 12 is, is spot on, very helpful and especially striking 
given the fact that Joel might be, this is debated, but might be the oldest mm. of the 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's contested. Could be, could be Amos, right? So, mm-hmm. but he, it's definitely one of the earlier ones, yeah. right? So the fact that we've got this, that those themes are there from the beginning mm-hmm. of these prophetic books, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, it's just clear, you know, that that doesn't kick in later or something mm-hmm. like that. The, I was looking at my, uh, looking at the whole book of Joel a little bit and was noticing that the language here does draw on the previous chapter mm-hmm. describing this locus, mm-hmm. this plague of locusts, yeah. which of course also is a biblical allusion mm-hmm. back to the locus of the 10 plagues. Mm-hmm. So even that is already pushing us back into Exodus. Yeah as well as the drought with the fire, mm-hmm. which is in chapter one, again, which has Exodus resonances, the time in the wilderness, mm-hmm. uh, the fire by night. So I think there is kind of a, everything's kind of drawing to a point. Chapter one's mostly just terror, uh, all this crazy stuff going on. Yeah. The locust being the most kind of famous symbol of Joel's. Uh, yeah. It's what he's most associated with. It's mm-hmm. like, um, Locust. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But because that's like a big, it comes in, and it looks like a big cloud so that it's, right. it's dark during the day. Yeah. So the imagery here yeah. is both, you know, lo- local to this kind of locust plague that's mm-hmm. being interpreted as a sign of the times mm-hmm. that God is, is ready to punish us. Yeah. But then I think it, I with you, it has these deeper roots uh-huh. in the Exodus mm-hmm. and yeah, and therefore telling, yeah, because, yeah, you are my precious child, but then also the thou shalt, thou yeah. shalt not, right? Right, right. And so, hence the the call to fast mm-hmm. that seems to fit the response when you're not, when you're living out of, with an incon- incongruity, that word's not coming off yeah, my yeah, tongue yeah. well, the incongruity between the their mode of living and who they really are, mm-hmm. to use your... Right paradigm that you placed forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how's that strike you? What 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 what's that? I can tell you're flipping around because I know your mind's always going, <laughs> just trying to turn your mind into words. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, just the the imagery that's there. The like grapevines have dried up, the fig trees have withered. Like there's this is that like it's the whole life and death contrast that you get. I mean, I mean later in Deuteronomy, even just like right. There's like there's a way that you have been, there's, there's a, a path that you've been created for, uh, a, a, a way that your humanity was meant to function specifically to Israel, like a, a national identity that God has given you. And if you don't live that way, I think this is where I'm, I'm, I am always intrigued by the idea of like, instead of talking about the punishment of sin, the more of like the consequence of mm. sin, um, in that, does, is the are the things that happen um, a punishment from God or are they just the result of what happens when you live outside your human function like how you were supposed to live it's kind of like if you take a plant out of the dirt wouldn't you expect it to face calamity <laughs> yes yes I mean because that it it was meant to live in the dirt <laughs> and so it's kind of like if Israel has um, lived in a way that has like they've stepped out of the soil or the sunlight, then it's like, well, of course these things are happening. This is what happens when 
you don't live the way that God has given you. So it's like, I've put the choice before you, life and yeah. death, like choose life. And that's, I mean, that's where I think the idea of turn to me now is that like. Put your roots back in the soil. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. That's spot on. Yeah. Turn back to me. Turn with your whole heart. And then that makes fasting, fasting, interesting language, right? Mm -hmm. Because on one level it can look like, I mean, cause the natural way of things is to eat. Right. And so it doesn't feel like a returning at, right. at first glance. It feels punitive. Mm -hmm. It's a deprivation. Mm -hmm. But of course, strikingly enough, they are the, the covenant to which they're being invited into return was established in the wilderness, mm -hmm. which by definition is a place of deprivation. Mm -hmm. Or the way I heard someone say it once, the, uh, the wilderness is a, a space of radical understimulation. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> right? So it's a de-stimulating, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you're used to having all of these things that kind of yeah. make you feel alive. Mm -hmm. And there's this deprivation yeah. into which one is filled. So feasting is, I mean, fasting is ordered toward feasting from, mm -hmm. from the beginning, mm -hmm. right? It's to eat the manna from God, yeah. right? To receive the, the provision of God. Yeah. Not just to go without, just to go without, like mm -hmm. as if it's a punishment, but it can feel, it can feel like that at first glance, yeah. you know, which might be part of what's going on when you say, rend your heart, not your garments, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And turn back to the Lord your God, right? Mm -hmm. Turn back to me with all your heart. You can tell that even though there's this is a call for fasting, that there's already, like, it's not like Jesus was the first guy to come along and say, you know, fasting, you, yeah. can't, you can just do it as a show or you can do it for real. Like, he's not like, he's tapping into, I mean, this is like, you could, you could cut and paste this straight in straight into Matthew chapter six and yeah. it fits with what Jesus is doing in the Sermon on the Mount, right? Mm -hmm. This, mm -hmm. um, fast with your heart. Don't just put on a show with your garment, actually rend your heart. So it's even talking about outward show of fasting yeah. versus a true fasting of the heart. Yeah. Do you have Ram's horn in verse one and in 15 verse one and verse 15? I just, I just, just have caught it. I just have trumpet in both of them. No, I have Ram's horn in. So I'm checking. Yeah. Double, double checking now. But I will say in Exodus 20, it's the people heard the thunder and the loud blast of the ram's horn. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's ram's horn in each case. Yeah. The shofar probably, right? Mm -hmm. um, I don't have my Hebrew in front of me, although I do have Robert Alter's translation mm. of, which is pretty, usually pretty close. Yeah. I don't know. I just was struck by the parallel because mm -hmm. in chapter one, the, the ram's horn sounds like kind of a warning trumpet right mm -hmm. uh-oh yeah. yeah right day lord, day lord's coming right right uh whereas in 15 it is warning but then it's also it, it's it's interesting that warning is also invitation mm -hmm. blast the ram's horn in zion pronounce a fast proclaim convocation gather the people dedicate an assembly mm -hmm. summon the elders gather the babes the sucklings at the breast everybody come out Right. Yeah. It's a call to worship. Yeah. Yeah. I bet that was more obvious to you <laughs> as a worship leader than it was to me. I was like, oh, wow. This is a call to worship. <laughs> no, for sure. Yeah. And even being that, I mean, it's a, I mean, we talk about revelation and response language uh, in worship and, and even how like before that, what you get is this quote from Exodus 34, that the Lord is merciful and compassionate, yes. slow to anger. 
and Joel leaves off the part where God says, but I do not excuse the guilty. <laughs> and but and so you get this really like beautiful image of like a God that is not eager to punish, but is eager to relent. And so this is like, this is the revelation. We get to see the nature of God, his desire to send blessing instead of curse. And so then our worship is a response to this God. I mean, because if Joel leaves that out, it's like, why would we, why would we fast? But like, this is the hope, like this is the revelation of God wanting, not wanting to leave us where we are. And so therefore we turn to him um, and we start this worship service. <laughs> yeah. And you get two different pictures of, I mean, the, 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 the freedom of God's grace is demonstrated first and most basically in his already having revealed this. And this is an example mm -hmm. of, yeah, it's revelation response. And in this case, it's recollect, recollection right. of revelation. It's yeah. already been revealed. Yeah. You sure already know this. Yeah. Um, it gets quoted a few times in the Psalms. It's in Jonah as well. This mm -hmm. is a repeated yeah. kind of little mini creed about the, yep. about of God's character mm -hmm. again from Exodus and not from 20, but from 34. So after their first big screw up, right. Yeah. I mean, they had a few, you know, manna, they had some <laughs> complaints and stuff, but, but yeah. the, but the, the, the breaking of the first commandment with the building of the calf was, was a big deal. Mm -hmm. uh, God yeah. was, God was, he was, he was, he was like, I don't know. I think uh, let's start over Moses. Yeah. Let me just kill all them and we'll start a family with you. You know. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it was, and that's when that's introduced the revelation of the name and the saying, okay, yeah. we're going to find a way to, to, to press through. Yeah. And so that narrative gives a lot of hope here. This is who I am. Mm -hmm. I've demonstrated that before. And yet it's still the freedom of God's grace. And that's presented in 17, where on the one hand, the revelation to which we're responding is one based on the faith that this, who, this is who God is. But it's still hope, not presumption. You know, it's mm -hmm. not presumption in 17 because it's the, you know, let the yeah. minister say, maybe, who knows? <laughs> maybe he'll let us yeah. off the hook. You, yeah. Like you, it's never hope. It's somehow to, learning to have hope. You know, it's not despair. There's no point. Mm -hmm. We know this is the kind of God God is. But it's never a presumption right. that he'll always be gracious the right. same way. Yeah. Right? Uh -huh. I don't know if that, rings true with the text for you or not mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. yeah but i i think i think what joel gives us here is this beautiful image to, of, of understanding the heart of worship in that it is it is remembering god remembering his nature remembering his story um some would say a reenactment um i mean we can get into like anamnesis or you know like we where there's an actual like re membering mm -hmm. like taking the members of things and redoing that you know because he's like yeah god has already said this but it's like we're forgetful mm -hmm. and so part of worship is just going back and reminding the people of god about who god is and what he's trying to do and what he wants to do and in and in hearing that hearing an invitation to turn back to him that yeah there's no promise of exactly what he will do of what his grace will look like this time, but it is an invitation for us to respond in some way, which just that, like him revealing himself and us responding, like 
that's the definition of a relationship. And like, that's mm. what this is mm. more about. It's the, the continuing relationship between God and his people. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, this is getting very philosophical and I <laughs> love it. I love it. I love it. Let's take a quick break there and come back and explore some more. And we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. I'm here with my uh, guest, Daniel Reif. And we're looking at John. Uh, John? No, I'm John. We're looking <laughs> at Joel, chapter 2, 1 to 2, and 12 to 17. Uh, a classic text often used in Ash Wednesday services. I'm pretty sure I've heard or maybe even read this one in worship services planned by you. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a classic for that. Just to get it in our ears again, let me read, let me read it again. Is that cool? So this is, uh, this is from Robert Alter's translation. Uh, any regular listeners know that this is one of my favorites uh, for the Old Testament. So, yeah, so blow the ram's horn in Zion. Sound the alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the land's dwellers shake. For the day of the Lord comes, yes, nears. A day of darkness and of gloom, a day of clouds and dense fog, like dawn spread out on the mountains, a vast and numerous people. Its like has never been, and after it will be none like it, through years of generations without end. And now too, said the Lord, turn back to me with all your heart in fasting and weeping and mourning and rend your heart, not your garments and turn back to the Lord, your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in kindness and relenting over evil. Who knows? He may once more relent and leave blessing after him, grain offering and libation to the Lord your God. Blast the ram's horn in Zion, pronounce a fast, proclaim convocation, gather the people, dedicate an assembly, summon the elders, gather the babes, the sucklings at the breast, let the bridegroom come out from his chamber and the bride from her wedding canopy. Between the great hall and the altar, let the priests weep. Let the Lord's ministrants say, have pity, Lord, on your people, and do not let your estate be disgraced for nations to rule over them. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? And let the, I'm going to add 18, and let the Lord be zealous for his land and show mercy for his people. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Yeah. Oh, man. So at the break, you said you saw a couple little things that might be bunny <laughs> trails, but oh, well. So what'd you see? What'd you want well, to look at? Well, it's, I mean, it's even interesting hearing another version. But, I thought um, that might help <laughs> yeah, but, spice it up a little, yeah. Um, but just the idea of turning, I've just always thought whenever you're turning to something, it means you're turning from something. Mm -hmm. um, in this version, it says, uh, give me your heart which I think this is a, that was uh, verse 12 um, begs the question of who, who were you giving it to before? Cause I feel like read 12 in the NLT again. Uh, that is why the Lord says, turn to me now while there's time. Give me your heart. Come fasting, weeping and mourning. 
I see the choice there. Yeah. Turn to, because yet even now, if the now is going, it could be going with declares the Lord, which is how my version has it. The now mm. is, yeah. goes, is modifying that verb, but the now could go mm-hmm. with the returning. Right, right, right. So while there's time. Yeah. And then you have to figure out how to stick the heart language in. So they introduced a second verb. There isn't mm-hmm. a second verb there in right. the original, but, right. it, but at least it gets it. Yeah. But even the idea. Yeah, but it works either way. If you're turning to me with all your heart, that means your heart is elsewhere. Right. It's attached to something else. Right. Um, Which I think on one hand means that it's not like we're just like doing nothing, but there's some active giving away of ourselves to someone who is, or something that isn't God. Yeah. And so then. That's why the heart needs rent. Yes. Yeah. There has, there's like, well, yeah, there's like a ripping that has to occur, a ripping away from what you had been giving it to. So then when he says, don't tear your clothing in your grief, but tear your hearts instead, like that's what I'm saying. You're ripping it from what you've given it to before. And it makes me think, I mean, what did Mark 7, the people honor me with their lips, but not, yeah. but, but, um, but I want their hearts. Yeah. <laughs> um, the idea of like that, that to me says that you can be tearing your clothes and griefs or honoring God with your lips while actively giving your heart to someone else. Yeah. And so that in this ripping is, not just in, yeah, not just this external change or an extra, like, but there's a holistic, I don't, it's just a deeper level of transformation that is at a level that I don't think humans can even necessarily see. It's, yeah. You know, even in ourselves sometimes, yeah. but certainly not in another. Yeah. Cause I don't know that we always know what we're giving our exactly. hearts to, you know, it's so yeah. habituated. Right. And taken for granted. Yes. Oh, that's so good. So the, the a transfer of, of affection and attachment mm-hmm. always hurts. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There's always grief involved, hence mm-hmm. mourning, sadness, weeping. Mm-hmm. Again, that's not exclusively punitive, though there can be a punitive element. Mm-hmm. It's not exclusively that. Right. It's right. um <clears throat> this is why you can still have sorrow. So there's like there's sorrow for your sins and like wanting to be free, right? There's the continued sorrow when you have repented and and been forgiven that can be just a distraction of just keeping you stuck in your guilt instead of moving on. Mm-hmm. But then there's appropriate kind of tears over sin that are simply the fact that I'm actually kind of saying goodbye to the stuff yeah. that I liked because most sin, no, no, not most, all sin is a distortion of good things. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Satan's not a creator. He's just a distorter. Right, right. And so it's usually a disordered relation to good created right. goods. Yeah. To created goods that that's being reordered. And so there is a saying goodbye. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, in, in, in the AA world, there's a step, part of one of the steps where you, it's not in the steps, but it's just a tradition of where you write a, uh, like you write a goodbye letter mm-hmm. to alcohol mm-hmm. and actually mm-hmm. thank you give thanks. You say thanks yeah. for all the ways you were there for me when my yeah. friends weren't like, yeah. you just own that this was your friend right. and you need to say goodbye, Right. but it's not a healthy friend and you need to say right. goodbye. Right. And that can sound kind of twisted. Like, isn't that evil? Mm-hmm. It's like, no, the alcohol is not what's evil. It's my mm-hmm. relation to it. Right. Is so disordered mm-hmm. and so distorted yeah. that for freedom, I need to say goodbye. And that brings us back to fasting. Yeah. Right. Because fasting is not deprivation of food out of punishment. It's mm-hmm. not Mm-hmm. Uh, a mechanical thing that God, because even it says, who knows, maybe. It's not yeah. saying, hey, if we fast, God will accept us. No, yeah. it's 
We hope that he will. We're mm-hmm. not going to presume, but we have good. It's not an empty hope. It's based mm-hmm. on his, the way he's treated us before. But nevertheless, we're we're hoping God will meet us in this. But it, in that, in that, there there's a there's a stepping away from that to which we have a disordered relationship. Right. In right. order to open up space mm-hmm. for God Himself, and then yeah. in hopes of a receiving that created good again in yeah. a way that's ordered. Yeah. And beautiful and good, like mm-hmm. I don't know, a feast with God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, at His table. Yeah, what was the, you used the phrase about in the desert, how within fasting, like a a decent, a, yeah, r- a radical understimulation, understimulation. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. yeah, and it's interesting because because yeah, whether it's alcohol or whatever, like these things that are are. That maybe people have thought like I don't know whatever it is, but like it's bringing you stimulation in life, mm-hmm. um, and so then to do some sort of fasting from it like is under stimulation. But in that, it actually I feel like shows its true face that what those things have been doing is actually numbing us yes. to the reality. That's right. And the fasting wakes us up to true stimulation um, because it's only when you are hungry. <laughs> That yeah. you can actually appreciate true good food <laughs> mm-hmm. versus when you're just like over satiated. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that's spot I on. Love, I mean, it's, I love it, that it, phrase. it's exactly the logic of how addiction operates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Is, is the satiation point and then the return to get to that point mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. Um, which is also the point of the numbing. Mm-hmm. Right. And of course, that's why we're drawn to it is because the numbing of feelings that we don't want to feel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that are at first being overwritten by the good feeling of the pleasure yeah. of safe food. Yeah. I mean, uh, as one who struggles with overeating, I'll just stick with that instead of using the alcohol analogy just to stay on point. Not that I mean, there's multiple forms of fasting. Well, it's funny. I always want to say like, oh, there's lots of things you can fast from. But at the but. It's you want to always do that by analogy rather than thinking there's this abstract category called fasting, mm-hmm. and you fast from food, you fast from this, you fast from that. You mm-hmm. fast from no, no, no. There's fasting, and its principal form is fasting from food. Yes. And then there are analogous. Yes. I don't know if you agree with that, but I feel like that's. I think historically that's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, where else do words come from? But yeah. history. <laughs> so I agree. It's historically, but but I think it's helpful because actually then you, then you don't. You you recognize see, again? I don't. I I have an allergy to abstractions. Mm-hmm. You know, fasting is this abstract thing. Yeah, because you really think about it concretely about actual food. Mm-hmm. You know. But yeah, you know, I when I have a bad day, you know, I want to go to Circle K in the afternoon before I go home and get a bag of beef jerky and a diet Dr Pepper. Somehow the diet like somehow makes me feel better. So I don't know. Just habit, right? Yeah. And and it's because like I don't like the feelings I'm having. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I'm trying to get pleasure feelings, but those are functioning as to kind of overwrite yeah. feelings I don't want to even name or admit. Actually, mm-hmm. if I was actually naming them, I might not go and get the food. It's because I'm yeah. trying to avoid it. Yeah. But then once you hit the satiation of that, then you just numb. Yeah. Yeah. So it's overstimulation leading to numbing. Mm-hmm. And like you said, understimulation actually leads to then an awakening or an alertness mm-hmm. and a, a deeper awareness mm-hmm. of, right? Because you just notice everything. Yeah. Like when you're in a, like I always say to my students that silence isn't quiet. You know, because when you're really practicing silence, you hear every 
weird thing, yeah. right? Yeah. And same with like, oh, when you're, you know, when you've when you've gone without food for a little while, man, you just really you notice every smell. Like, yeah. Ooh, what's yeah. That? You know, like, <laughs> right? You're like yeah. you're yeah. And and that's like you said, that's a I, I wouldn't call it stimulation though. Or you, I mean, I liked what you said with true stimulation. Mm-hmm. The, but that's still the stimulation language for me is kind of consumeristic. Yeah. I would well, want to say alertness. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. But uh-huh. go ahead, push back well, on I was that. Just, no, I was thinking about it just made me think of the great divorce and like the idea of 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 heaven um or the kingdom of God, like being so real that it's painful. <laughs> you know? Yes, yes. And yes, it's yes, like when good. we're so like numbed to to our own emotions, even it's like, well then I mean, we're kind of numbed to the reality. Yeah. We're just like living our life kind of like as hidden as we can be from anything that could like just make us feel bad. Uh, and so it's like through fasting, we lean into the pain of reality a little more. (laughs) Oh man, you got to say that one again, man. That one's that's, that's a tweetable one. Okay. In fasting, we lean in to the pain of reality that requires some exposition, but yeah, because that can have the dark side. And but it's very Joel. It's very yeah. Joel. Yeah. Oh, Joel's yeah, yeah. sort of saying, like, <laughs> no, the day of the Lord isn't good news. The day of the Lord's scary stuff. Yeah. It's darkness and gloom. Mm-hmm. But it's also invitation. It's 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 no, it's it's recollection. Remember, mm-hmm. he's encountered us in the cloud before. Mm-hmm. And ultimately that went good for us. I mean, yeah. it, it had dark, right. it had it had some tough stuff, but yeah, this is really who we are. We're mm-hmm. being just called back to our true identity mm-hmm. as His precious children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's recollection of revelation, and it's uh, invitation to open ourselves up to as we. Because I, I want to not. I mean, I worship theology talks a lot about memory, but it needs to also talk about anticipation, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's remembering revelation, but the language of revelation is also apocalyptic. It's also future. Yeah. Eschatological. Yeah. It's also anticipating revelation still mm-hmm. to come. Mm-hmm. What is yet to be revealed. Yeah. And opening ourselves up to that mm-hmm. at the same time. Definitely. Yeah. So it's across the board, this invitation uh, to draw near, mm-hmm. even though it's a little spooky. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I mean, this is this is the whole structure of fasting when you practice it. It's like, yeah, it's it's tough, but then it it's it's actually a an awakening and, mm-hmm. and a drawing near to God. Mm-hmm. It's not punishment at all. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, you're blowing my mind today. <laughs> you are, man. This, you're just getting me cooking. I'm seeing all these connections. I love it. I love it. Oh. <laughs> Well, it's wild, dude. Like you're like you are one of my favorite interpreters of scripture, and we never geek out on the Bible together. Like, yeah. We never do. <laughs> I know, yeah. But we, it's just yeah. implicit because every week, almost every week, you set up these tableaus or <laughs> of of reading scripture narratives mm-hmm. where you'll you'll just inter- you'll do the blocking. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm just saying this in the second person to you. I know you know what you do, <laughs> but this is for the listeners, right? You you block the scenes, and I'm like. I can tell you just like you pay attention to the text because you couldn't block these scenes without actually like just sitting with it, mm-hmm. you know? And I've seen some juxtapositions you've done in special services. Mm-hmm. 
Ash Wednesday, Good Friday, another. And I'm just like, dude, like, I just love the way you interpret scripture. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, John. So, um, I know you don't love improv, so that's, I've never pushed you to be on the show, but this is awesome. Oh, I'm learning so much. Yeah. I'm sure our audience is going to flip out and say, when is he coming back? Oh, on? my goodness. Am I making your face red yet? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, let's take a quick break and come back okay. and explore some, some sermon starters. And we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. I'm here with my guest, Daniel Reif. And yeah, let's explore some sermon starters. So if you were going to, you know, let, let's just kind of pitch some some directions or hunches mm-hmm. of where we might go. Obviously not finished product, nothing like that. But just some, just some uh, starter thoughts if one was going to exposit this word, especially in a kind of Lent setting or Ash Wednesday setting. So if you want to say anything as a worship planner, mm-hmm. if you want to say anything about Ash Wednesday first, that would be great. But then maybe a little bit on a direction one might go with a text like this in a short meditation or a full mm-hmm. sermon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think Ash Wednesday services, to some extent, you should have ashing <laughs> be a part of that service since it's mm-hmm. in the name. Uh, and so that's usually attached in some way to confession uh, I've been in services where confession happens before you're ashed and or you're ashed and then you confess together. Um, but usually both of those things uh, happen. And then uh, optionally, I've been in services that don't come to the table, but I'm, I feel like it's a really important thing when you're wearing ashes to have the opportunity to be fortified at the table mm. <laughs> to enter into a season of Lent knowing or even to enter... Just the idea of being entering into a season of fasting, being fed by the Lord. Yeah. So I think there's, if you're gonna if you're gonna invite your people to um, rend their hearts, then it might also be a beautiful thing to invite them to be fed by the Lord. So I would encourage you to include both those things. Who is gracious and compassionate? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that that's good. That's good. How do you when you've have you preached on a on a prophet? text or mm-hmm. did you did you this summer yeah Didn't you guys do a preach on series Hose- on the 12 yeah i preached on hosea mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. oh i remember that yeah oh i'm just remembered it. yeah yeah I don't, I don't. i've already embarrassed you enough today <laughs> like i i find them challenging to mm-hmm. preach on yeah you know if, if if like a gospel text is like the easiest not because it's but you know what i mean yeah just, no yeah. for sure and i i'd put prophets kind of just shy of like legal material probably mm. in terms of mm-hmm. difficulty. Yeah. I don't know if you'd agree with that assessment, yeah. but well, some of it, is I mean, like, your senior pastor, my pastor is he flipping loves this stuff, yeah. but I mean like, it's kind of how he preaches. Yeah. <laughs> Explosions. Uh, you know, so it's kind of, he loves the prophets. I mean, he's yeah. just very comfortable in Isaiah, but yeah, I am not. <laughs> yeah. I, I love studying like them, but I just don't know how to preach on them with, with the, with the minor prophets, especially, I do feel like it's it would it is really hard to preach one passage. Ah, like I feel like you have to understand the whole. I mean, honestly, I I feel like you almost need to read all twelve to and then read the one and then read your passage. <laughs> like, yeah. like, but I mean, that's a lot. Um, but Pro- it is that's a proper IBS, <laughs> yeah, yeah, proper inductive Bible study technique. I love yeah. it, classy. But it is hard to. That's why one reason why I think the minor prophets are just difficult is because um, 
you have to read the whole thing. And there's so many just huge contrasts that often happen um, where, where, yeah, one moment you're rending your heart and then another, it's like you're being showered with blessing. And yes. it's just like, oh my goodness, how do we hold both of these? <laughs> Although that's spot on for Lent, right? Yeah, yeah. Like even just mm-hmm. the interruption of the fast and the anticipation of feasting every Sunday, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that if you count the days from Ash Wednesday to Easter, it's not 40. Yeah. It's 46 because yeah. of the Sunday yeah. fast breaks. Right. That juxtaposition actually is very on point. Yeah. Huh. Which is also, I would say that's a very significant point because I've heard people in the past talk about giving up, like, (laughs) their sin. Yeah. You know, and it's like, well, no, you should should already give that up. Because the idea of you're breaking your fast on Sundays, like, this is just, this is something that is in excess or you enjoy or, I mean, whatever. This isn't, Lent isn't the time to, like, I mean, sure, it's the time to stop sinning, but so is Advent Christmas. Yeah. Days a year. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, but um, I think if yeah, if you can't do it in the in the if you can't do it in the church parking lot with joy, yeah, it's not it's it's a sin to be repented of. Yes. not a not a um good thing. Yeah, of which you have excess. Right. To which you first experience abstinence mm-hmm. en route to moderation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's the That's end a good game. way to put Yep. Yeah. Um, though passing through appropriate feasting as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that, um, well, because I preached a sermon on Hosea and because Hosea is the first book of the 12, I think I am, I would tend to anyone preaching from a minor prophet, but especially Joel here, I would encourage them to approach the text as, uh, as reading this dialogue between um, a God and his lover <laughs> mm. that these are, I feel like all the minor prophets have a very strong language, which makes sense in, in understanding this deep, passionate relationship. And I mean, even at the end of this passage where he says, don't let your special possession become an object of mockery. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, imagine, uh, uh someone telling a, a bride that like, like don't, don't let your bride become a mockery. Like this is this is about elevating, dignifying. It's about dignity. It's about yes, and even dignity. Not only for well, I mean, not just Israel. I mean, it's it's to the dignity of God's name. It makes me yes. think of Ezekiel. I mean, Ezekiel thirty six, where uh, God is saying like, I exiled you because everyone was saying like. Well, then everyone kept saying, like, well, what type of God is is your God if this is what's happening to you? And so he's like, oh, I'm going to bring you back now because of my name, not because of anything you've done, but I'm going to bring you back for my name and I'm going to give you a new heart. And and so it's like there's this, yeah, this this pride in the name of God, in the relationship that he has with his people, uh, this job that they had to to bear his name. Yeah, it's a it's a relationship. It's a drama. <laughs> I think it's understood a little better when you when you read it through that lens. No, that's beautiful. And I mean, verse 13 links us up to that by the quotation from Exodus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because in, in the wilderness is his, is the betrothal and the consummation, mm-hmm. right? Is there, uh, you, I guess I suppose the betrothal would be maybe all the way back to Abraham. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> yeah. the wedding and the consummation is taking place there in the Exodus, yeah. right? Yeah. 
and the revelation of his name and, and the, the language of, 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 of kindness or mercy or abound. I don't know if you have steadfast love. I don't, I don't remember how NLT translates chesed. Unfailing love. Unfailing love. Mm -hmm. I mean, that language is used in Leviticus to talk about, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, marriages and their persistence, even in the face of uh, disruption. So, I mean, that, that fits, that fits the text. And then it fits verse 18. Some translations interpret verse 18 as, as, as introducing the next discourse, NLT might as well. Obviously, the lectionary did because it just took us through seventeen. Mm-hmm. But Robert Alter runs the this this uh-huh. oracle all the way through eighteen. Yeah, and let the Lord be zealous. He takes it as a yeah. justive. Let yeah. the Lord be zealous or jealous for His land. I mean, this is the first attribute that God uses to describe mm-hmm. your attribute in mm-hmm. the in the Ten Commandments. For yeah. your Lord, your God is a jealous God. And that jealousy language is yeah. betrothal language. That's yeah. where that belongs. Yeah. That's, and show mercy for his people, right? So that mm-hmm. um, that that jealousy of the Lord yeah. for his name, for their dignity, yeah. that that's what's going on here, mm-hmm. that there's a larger, yeah, drawing back, wooing. That where, where's that wooing you in the wilderness thing? Is that in Hosea? Yeah. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> that Hosea. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's so beautiful. Is that Hosea yeah. 1? yeah. I'm going to draw you back to the wilderness mm-hmm. to woo you in. Mm-hmm. Man, I would almost want to incorporate yeah, that. Too, I, think, yeah. I would want to yeah. incorporate that in mm-hmm. to this yeah. uh, sermon, I think. Yeah. That wooing, that yeah. that, that drawing in. That's, it's just a completely different picture. If I live my whole life thinking of a God who's holding a rule book, who then it's like, oh, I, I'm not following these rules. I should do that. Like, if that's your image versus this where it's like, there's there's someone who desires you. Like you think your about heart. yeah, like you think about the relationships that you're in, like someone who is like desiring you, pursuing you, like that's like it's jealousy. It's like <laughs> And take it the next level and you committed and you were in yeah. and then now you're cheating. Yes. Because that's what he's saying. Exactly. You've been cheating. Yeah. And let's not let's not I mean, I I want I don't want to put the rule book at the center, but I don't, I don't want to ignore the wrath of God. Mm-hmm. Wrath of God is the burning of his love. Mm-hmm. Like it hurts yeah. when someone cheats on you. Yeah. Why would, what, what, that's yeah. not intrinsically sinful. Why would we mm-hmm. be afraid of attributing that to God? I mean, right. again, it's different. God's way of being angry is of course, infinitely rich and perfect and, yeah. and not in conflict with his faithfulness yeah. and patience. So it's not, you know, don't project all the anger of a, of a, of an unjust, jealous lover. Mm-hmm. But don't say none of that applies. Right. Because it's literally the yeah. language the Bible uses yeah. all the time yeah. to talk about God. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I mean, I always remember joking with Mandy, like, uh, well, because, like, you know, we had a friend who'd get real jealous all the time, you know, when other guys were around mm. his girl, right? Mm-hmm. And I was just kind of not like that. And it was kind of funny. It's like, on one level, it's like, well, it's nice that you trust me more. Like, yeah. I mean, some of it is that that guy was just. Yeah. He wasn't as good of a feminist as me, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> but she's like, well, but a little jealousy's okay. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. You want to have a, yeah, there's got to be a little heat, yeah. right? Where's yeah. the heat, right? Where's yeah. the sense of your mind? Yeah. Like, yeah. that's not all bad. Right. Um, yeah. And that was there. I was just subordinating it yeah. to try to be a good egalitarian right. or something. Yeah. You know? And so, yeah, yeah I, I think that verse 18, mm-hmm. if you went this route, of of making that connection to Hosea and to mm-hmm. this this wooing this mm-hmm. pursuing yeah 
this calling back after after unfaithfulness, infidelity. Yeah. yeah. How radical that mercy is. Yeah. I think you'd want to include verse 18. Yeah, for sure. Do you catch what I'm saying? Yeah. How's NLT render 18? Uh, the Lord will pity his people and jealously guard the honor of his land. Mm, and does it put the quotation at the end of that? Does it link 18 with? It doesn't. Or is it, is it starting a new section? Or is it just It starts a new section, through? yeah. It, it does a new section. Interesting. Yeah. Well, just so you know, at least one, yeah. at least one serious no, scholar like puts, it, yeah. puts it with this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, what, you're, what, what, what I feel like is happening in that is that we're saying sin is not a legal problem. It's a relational problem that like when we, the choices we make, it's not like God is holding us to like, did you meet the code or the standard? It's like, are you in this committed relationship with me? So when you do, when you err from that, like this is, this is a relational issue that needs to be healed relationally. Um, which, I mean, you kind of get that throughout some of the other passages associated to Ash Wednesday too, mm -hmm. but yeah. Rend your hearts, not your garments. Turn back to me with your heart. Yeah, this is a heart thing. Mm -hmm. This is a heart thing. Mm -hmm. And 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 it's 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 kind to be clear. And so there is a legal code, mm -hmm. but that's just making clear mm -hmm. for the yeah. handing on through the generations. Right. Yeah, codifying. You said code. Mm -hmm. It's the codifying of the yeah. expectations exactly. intrinsic to the relationship. Mm -hmm. So it is a legal problem, but the legal problem is subordinate mm -hmm. to the relational problem, which is the mm -hmm. point. Would that yeah. be a fair way to yeah. restate what you said? Yeah. <laughs> In a way yeah. that doesn't make Leviticus not part of the canon. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Which isn't what you were saying. Yeah. But I mean, the, no. code, the code is in, internal to the relationship. Right. The relationship is what gives it substance. Yeah. And the code is just the kindness of being clear. Mm -hmm. Right. Because, of mm -hmm. course, I'm mad at you because you didn't do the thing I didn't ask you to do. Isn't yeah. fair. So right. God is not cruel right he's actually kind for him to make explicit the mm -hmm. expectations yes yeah. yeah and to even realize like a lot of the code is providing a, a means back yeah 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 <laughs> after you've broken the code so it's right, like right. There's even most grace. leviticus actually yeah. is that yeah it's like grace. exodus is the stuff yeah. not to do <laughs> yeah. leviticus is the well if you if you yeah. disobey the stuff yeah. in exodus here's yeah. the code to get back in yeah yeah you're right yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. no that's good that's so good that's so good oh man this is a killer conversation. I had a blast, Daniel. Thank you so much. I'm going to have to have you back Thanks on. Thanks for having me, John. You were too, if you didn't want to get invited again, you shouldn't have been so good. This is, I just learned so much. Wow. This is great. Well, thanks, Daniel, for the hour. It's so great. Thanks to all our listeners. We appreciate you so much. Thanks to uh, Tom, Todd, and Eric for getting this show started all those years ago, over five years ago now. Uh, couldn't imagine ever having this started without you guys. Thanks to the Called Collective team. Uh, for their production and promotion work. We appreciate you so much. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess that's all the people I want to thank other than God. Thank you for your word and for your, uh, for your love for us. Um, yeah. So with that said, we say have a good preach and a great week. Bye-bye. <laughs>